Blog Talk Radio. All right, my millions, and welcome to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. So glad that you guys could join us on a Saturday morning. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning. It's the one place where fanatics can come together and talk about their favorite sports, teams, what have you. We bring you an analytical break. You know, we always say that's kind of a bit of a stretch, uh, an analytical point of view from a... <laughs> bring you breaking news, commentary, scores, stats, and standings. Of course, we provide great interviews, and one of those is coming up here in just a few moments. We're standing by uh, for uh, Derek Schultz of the Aquarian Schultz Show, uh, Fox 97 FM, uh, here local in Indianapolis, and iHeartRadio. He's <clears throat> going to be talking some Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, we were supposed to have him on last week when we were talking uh, a memorializing, memorializing, immortalizing, I guess is the better word, um, Peyton Manning uh, in the statue that they put up here in Indianapolis. And so we're going to be talking with him about the Colts and Peyton Manning and maybe a little uh, uh, off uh, information about Indiana University or Purdue University, depending on how much time that we have. Also, Cubs are headed to the City of Angels, baby, to play the Dodgers for a chance uh, to represent the National League in the Fall Classic. This is the third year in the row that the Cubs go to the uh, National League Championship. And of course, the Indians uh, hoped for a repeat were crushed by the pinstripes, an unfortunate uh, circumstance of events for, for both Washington and Cleveland. But, you know, if you got to feel bad for somebody, I think Washington would nationalize is the one team that, that I would feel the worst for just because, you know, it just seems like they can't get over that hump. It just seems like they get right there. They could smell it. They can taste it. And then, you know, a team like the Cubs come out and beat them by one point. So, uh, but but there again, you know, you look at the the incredible season that the Cleveland Indians had. I mean, come on, they've they've got nothing to be ashamed of. It's just, you know, unfortunately, a, a sequence of events happened at the at the last part of that that series there that just with injuries and the way the rotations were, was. Uh, was falling together. Uh, it just uh, it didn't happen for him for this year. So, you know, you feel bad for both cities. You know, one of the things, talking about cities, this should be a very, very well-watched postseason in the MLB. Um, as, as, you know, we've got four, right now, we've got four of the top four markets uh, in the United States playing in the postseason. So you've got L.A., you've got Chicago, you've got Houston, and you've got New York. The, I mean, really, as far as a uh, you know uh, an audience goes for 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 Major League Baseball for the networks, you can't ask for uh, anything better than that. Like I said, we're standing by for uh, Derek Schultz. Uh, hopefully, he'll be joining us here in a few moments. If not, we'll have to do what they call it in the biz: efforting. <laughs> 
<laughs> we've got to try to find him. Uh, but, you know, really, uh, Saturday morning, so glad that you guys have joined us. 917-889-8516 is my digits. Uh, then, it, you know, and, and coming up here at the, at, in the next half hour, we're going to be talking with Matt Embry a little bit about uh, IndyCar, uh, a little bit about maybe some NASCAR. But you know, we're going to talk about a little bit, uh, a little known fact about him. He knows something about soccer, and we're going to talk to him about you know how big of a deal is it that the USA did not make it to the World Cup? As we know, their coach uh, resigned uh, after you know basically the embarrassment of not making it to the World Cup. So it's a pretty big deal in the world of soccer. And and it's been several decades uh, since uh, the USA has not been represented in the World Cup. So uh, we're going to talk with him about that. And in the next hour, we get into it. The gang will all be here. I'm Mo from the BS Sports Show. Rick Riggin from down in Evansville, our college football analyst, Ed Kratz, our uh, NFL analyst. We're going to be breaking down week six. We'll be talking about his his Eagles this week uh, and uh, what went on with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, is Carson Wentz the real deal? Are we buying that Carson Wentz is, is, is here? Of course, we'll talk a little, uh, a little bit about Ezekiel Elliott. And as we know, his uh, suspension was reinstated. They're, they're on a bye week this week, uh, so he'll begin his first suspension yes you can do a suspension on a bye week so um you know at least you'll have one down I, I you know again this was a procedural move uh by the nfl so it certainly isn't a total loss to ezekiel L and not a total win uh for the nfl so what's going to happen now is uh the players union and then the lawyers of ezekiel L is going to file for another uh extension or uh what have you and they'll probably be granted that and he'll probably be beginning to uh be, will continue to play and we'll have just another scenario like we saw with tom brady i think one of the biggest differences with tom brady was that we know at that point we knew that tom brady was guilty of of said charges uh at this point now, am I saying that Ezekiel Elliott is is free of all charges and that this didn't happen? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is that the NFL never, the NFL is 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 putting down a punishment when Ezekiel Elliott has never been charged, arrested, or anything for for domestic battery. The only thing that we got is, uh, you know, a lady's uh, word. Now, let me clarify. I, I certainly think that there was something that went on there but to for the nfl to suspend him without him being convicted you know you get into the legalities of it i'm no lawyer obviously uh but when you get into the legalities of it i think that that ezekiel elliott and his lawyers have a a pretty good a pretty good case to stand on and so we'll uh be talking with ed kratz about that and uh, so hopefully uh, uh, we'll, be, we we'll be joined here in, in a few moments here uh, by uh, Derek Schultz of the uh, uh, Schultz and Query Show, uh, Fox 97 FM, uh, to talk Colts and Peyton Manning. And, of course, we're going to be talking about the top 25 college football games going on, the college football games of the week, if you will, and we'll also be talking about Purdue. Now, why? I, I mean, I'm sorry, not Purdue, but IU. Well, we can talk Purdue, but my my thought was going to um, Indiana. Uh, so, Indiana plays Michigan today. Now, at home, at homecoming. Now, 
Indiana hasn't beat Michigan in like 30 years. So I, I think, you know, comes a lot from that sometimes that's not expected a lot from. Um, so if we get a win against, when I say we, I'm an IU alumni, I, I'm an IU fan, so I, I use the term we. But if Indiana gets a win against Michigan, two things that says to me. One, hey, well, Indiana's turning it around. I mean, as as an Indiana fan, you got to be excited about a win against uh, uh, Michigan. The other thing it shows me is that Jim Harbaugh is one of the most overrated college football coaches around. And you realize it's taken years, uh, you know, four, six, eight, ten years for Nick Saban uh, and, and uh, Urban Meyer, for example, to to rack up four to eight losses combined. And we might see four to eight losses this year from Jim Harbaugh. So the third highest paid college football coach, can he get it done? I think a lot of people are going to be asking that question. I'm not a Michigan hater per se. I'm not a Michigan lover per se. Now I am an IU lover. So from that aspect, I would love to see the, uh, the the W go in IU's column. Obviously, Michigan has a huge, incredibly good defense, and I, you know, unfortunately, Indiana finds ways to beat themselves, as we saw it happen with Penn State. And you know, unfortunately, even though they they shut out uh, uh, Charlotte Southern uh, last week, I mean, they're just not a good football team. But we saw numerous times on the field where there could have been some situations there that could have been kind of hairy. So the the thing is what we see what we see here is we see uh Indiana begin to beat themselves and when that happens uh that could get very very dangerous and very very ugly very quickly uh for the Indiana Hoosiers against Michigan. So we'll be talking about that uh with Rick Riggin as well and we'll be talking with our our uh, you know our Saturday lineup, if you will. So we'll be talking Oklahoma and Texas, Georgia Tech, Miami, Arkansas, Alabama, uh, Utah, and USC. So we'll be talking about those as, as kind of our games of the week that we'll talk about. And then at the bottom of the hour, we'll have uh, bottom of our last half or what have you, we'll have uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show joining us, and we'll be talking about Bet against the spread. We're going to be throwing some games out there, talking about what the spread is, and do you bet against it? Do you stay away from it? And eh, it's kind of a fun thing that we do. And, you know, uh, uh, Mo's kind of our in-house bookie, if you will. (laughs) No, Mo's on several shows out in Vegas and across the United States and talks betting. And certainly he's an expert and our go-to person when it comes to uh, betting for fun. Okay, we'll word it that way. We certainly uh, understand that with all things you have to do in moderation. And, and you know, I, I, it's, it's, you know, people have their vices, and you, you just got to know what yours is. And if yours is gambling, then just stay away from it, and you know, you know, just ignore us on what we're talking about. But you know, just for fun, if you want to, you know, throw ten, fifteen, twenty dollars, whatever it might be, you know, uh, for or against a, a team, uh, you know, we help you break that down on on a few uh, games, and so we'll we'll be doing that as well. We're still standing by for Derek Schultz of the Query and Schultz Show, ninety-seven five FM. And uh, we are efforting to 
try to get him, if if you will. So those are that's some of the kind of the, the the things that that we are going to be talking about uh, in today's show. Like I said, nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six is my digits. Uh, now make sure you're also following us on the social media, the media of social. <laughs> Where was this world without social media? Well, maybe a lot of people might argue we were in a better place. <laughs> but we use it for all the positive things, uh, you know. Uh, so you won't see, you know, you'll very, well, don't go to my personal tweet. Sometimes you might see some negative stuff depending on your, your, your side of the world. But, uh, you know, we like to have fun with it. So at T-Balance, at Pro Indy. At hot at two hot corner, at Indian May, uh, and at Breaking Rank One, and those are all our family of uh, Twitter group, Twitterers, if you will. Uh, but the flagship or the mothership, if you will, is at T Balance. Everything comes back to there. Uh, and uh, again, like I say, we we uh, bring you news commentary, and we always try to stay up on our social media. And also, you know, check out our website, www.thebalanceonline.com. If you're listening to us on a podcast right now, just hit that button, subscribe, so that we know that you are listening to us. And, uh, you know, that helps us uh, know, uh, you know, who's listening. Uh, also helps us to know uh, how we can do better for you. Uh, so there's a lot of things that that particular information and data does for us. So it takes two seconds, just hit boink, and you are good to go. And uh, this is The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis El Presidente. Uh, we had hoped to have uh, Derek Schultz on, and, and uh, we, we may have to kind of start moving into talking to Matt Embry here uh, about soccer. So... Uh, we'll we'll just try to if if uh, Derek calls in, we'll just uh, deviate away from him and and try to to uh, uh, get back to Matt. But uh, we'll stand by for Matt or, and or Derek uh, Schultz, <laughs> and uh, you know we'll uh, try to to uh, to get everything going here because we're going to be standing by for Matt Emery. We're going to be talking about. Uh, uh, soccer, uh, the USA not making it into uh, the U.S. Cup, uh, World Cup, I'm sorry. How big of a deal is that? Obviously, we, we know, uh, you know, that's not something that we've seen. You know, we don't talk a lot about uh, soccer on this show. It's not that we're a particular soccer haters, uh, but, you know, we, we don't uh, uh, talk a lot, but we do want to just uh, kind of figure out what happened in the fifth round. I think it was against uh, um, uh, Trinidad of Tobago, I think. Well, we'll get into that. Matt Embry of uh, Popular Speed, our normal IndyCar contributor, also uh, apparently knows a little bit about soccer, so we're going to be talking with him. Matt, how are you, sir? Yeah, remember, as far as the change, I just want to let everybody know, it's popular open wheel now. We split from popular speed, so, oh, but yeah. Oh, okay, my fault. You're right, you're right, my fault. I, you told I gotta me that. i got to say, though, there's yeah. one thing I'm getting a little Twitter spat right now I don't understand. 
People don't understand just how bad a loss Clips had suffered last night to Syracuse. This is a Syracuse team that has played nobody. I mean, they played a non-conference schedule of Central Connecticut State, Central Michigan, Middle Tennessee State. If And people are dubbing how Syracuse plays the toughest schedule. Then why aren't any of those teams in the top 25 in the AP poll right now, Tom? Well, that's a valid point. And, you know, we, we were, we were going to talk about that very game later on uh, today in the show in our college football segment, but I'm glad you brought it up. And, and, and here's the thing. Clemson is one of those teams that I think just get rated just because of who they are. And, and it, it is a, an interesting topic to get into. Um, a couple things that I saw out of that Syracuse game. I, one, I, I didn't see the normal Clemson show up. And two, I didn't see the normal Syracuse show up. So what we saw was a team that, that, that played better than they typically are. And then we saw another team that didn't play as good as they typically are. And when that match ha- mix happens, a lot of times you'll see what you saw against Syracuse. But it's a big win, though, for Syracuse in, in, in the big scheme of it all. Now, will it change their rating? Will it change no. them? I don't, I don't think it'll put them into the top 25 at all. But you got to look at it, it, it down the road, especially this is probably a bigger loss for Clemson uh, than it, I, I mean to Clemson than it is a win for for Syracuse because when it comes to bowl considerations, BCS bowl consideration, and let's you know talk about the national championship playoffs, this loss could come back to haunt them. And it should. I mean, yeah, I've heard the excuses. Well, there were losses and teams lost like Ohio State lost to Vatech one year. And some other things. Keep in mind, there is a price to pay when you do not play strong non-conference schedules. That strength of schedule is a big thing. And they, people say, well, there's teams that don't play FCS teams. Well, if then why does uh, Notre Dame doesn't play an FCS team or Ohio State or but some of these other teams? They know those things will drop your streak of schedule. So if you do suffer a loss, you can recover from it. So... If you want to blame, if Clemson fans want to blame somebody for them not getting in the college football playoff at the end of the year, blame the athletic director and blame Donald Sweeney for not challenging themselves in non-conference. That's not on, you know, the media's fault or the computer poll's fault. It's who you schedule and who you decide to play. If you decide to play a bunch of weak teams in non-conference, you will pay a price for it. So. I don't want to hear whining and crying about oh we did because we did like. You chose to play those teams. No one put a gun to your head. Nobody put a knife and said you had to play those teams. You chose to play them. That's the penalty. Matt, let's talk a little bit. I was, and then I do want to get into this U.S. soccer, and, and I want to get your thoughts on a, on a couple IndyCar things, too. But uh, while we're talking a little bit of football, I know kind of up there towards your neck of the woods, Notre Dame's on the bye, but we saw a huge loss to Michigan last week uh, to Michigan State. That tells me Michigan State's back. But I also saw MC, and I'm not necessarily talking about uh, Charlotte Southern. I'm just talking about IU as a whole. They beat themselves at Penn State. Uh, but there again, when going back to what I said earlier, when not much is expected, much does happen from that that's not expected sometimes. And, you know, it's homecoming down in Bloomington. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll be heading down there after this game if I could get through the freaking traffic. But it's homecoming down in, 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 uh, in Bloomington. Michigan comes to, to Bloomington after a tough, tough loss. If 
Indiana is uh, able to beat Michigan, which I think they very well are capable of, if they can get past that defense, if they don't make stupid mistakes, and if they can just uh, stay focused on the task at hand and not beat themselves. But if they beat uh, Michigan, I think we can officially say that Jim Harbaugh is one of the most overrated coaches out there. He does have a following, yes. But uh, the thing is, Michigan just is not the Michigan of the late, you know, 90s when Tom Brady was there. Uh, They just are not that kind of fireball team anymore. And it's tough to say that, but when you lose so many years in a row, and I don't care if Jim Trestle was a dirty coach or not, to Ohio State, you don't deserve to be in a condition for a championship because that's a championship eliminator game. Ohio State seems to win that game on a regular basis. Of course, there was a period in the early 90s when Michigan dominated that game. But when you don't get the job done against the teams that you are expected to beat, and when you are a coach at Michigan, you are expected to beat Ohio State. No question about it. Now, as for Indiana, I'd say exceeding expectations, certainly. You could say that about Purdue as well. I don't think anybody gave Jeff Brown much of a chance either. So uh, you got a bunch of surprises in the Big Ten. And, of course, Maryland opens the season with an upset at Texas. So you've got a loaded Big Ten right now. And I'd say if anyone gets the six wins in the Big Ten, now normally I don't say that. It's, say, a great season. But considering how tough some of these teams are in the Big Ten as far as, you know, the low level and mid-level, I'd say six wins again to a bowl game is pretty good this year. Let's talk a little IndyCar. Uh, obviously, we know the schedule was formally announced and put together uh, this week by IndyCar. Uh, uh, they they uh, said no to Watkins Glen, yes to Portland. A lot of people kind of like that. I think that they could have found a way to do both. I think Watkins Glen was a fun track to watch. I think they've been there for a long time. They have a history there. And I know that there was a scheduling issue. It had something to do with Labor Day and this and that and the other. I think that if they had tried hard enough, uh, they could have figured out a way to do both if possible. But it's all said and done now. Watkins Glen out, Portland in. What are your thoughts? Love the move. Uh, Watkins Glen could only draw about 20,000 fans this past year. That just will not cut it for these road course events that are the bread and butter of IndyCar schedule and where they make their most money. Portland is a track that has a lot of history with IndyCar, CART, Champ Car. I was begging for them to add them to the schedule last year. I was very disappointed when they didn't do it. I think this is a great move for IndyCar, and it brings them to a place where they are wanted. Keep in mind, Watkins Glen was added because, initially because they were out of road courses to run that would, when Champ Car was still around. And the last time prior to that, that Watkins Glen hosted a race was back in 1981. So the history isn't quite there with Watkins Glen as it is to a Portland place that has had seen great results such as for instance, uh, Michael Andretti in 86 running out of gas and Mario passing him for the win just before the finish line. Uh, some other great battles between uh, Andretti and Fittipaldi in 91 and 92. So there is a ton of history at this place, and uh, can't wait to see them get back to action there. And obviously uh, for one of my friends who unfortunately his name is escaping me is one of the track officials at Portland for SCCA events. I'm sure she's going to be thrilled to be a track official for when the IndyCars arrive next year. 
Fantastic. So we'll see how that plays out. Formula One, big news there. Uh, they uh, d- decided they're not going to sign a, a uh, lucrative deal with NBC Sports, whether to uh, go uh, and not be paid, uh, if you will, by ESPN. Uh, it, it all comes down to the di- without getting too technical for those people that don't understand it. And I don't mean that bad. It's just, you know, there's a lot of technical things when, when, when putting together a race series and package uh, for the broadcast rights. And one of the th- rights that they, they want is the digital rights, the ability to stream, and uh, Formula One has put together their own uh, streaming thing, so ESPN said, hey, uh, and of course, we know ESPN is is uh, really hurting uh, for uh, viewerships, and they, they think that, that that this will help them get that. Uh, they're just going to pick up a feed, and they're just going to run it. Uh, I, You know, I, I, Kevin Lee was talking about it. I talked with him a little bit about it. He thinks this is a bad move. He thinks that this is really bad for Formula One. Obviously, Formula One doesn't need the Money, but Formula One moves over to ABC and ESPN. I'm sorry, basically for free and makes no money off of it. Uh, where they were going to make a pretty good chunk of money, and there again, I think that NBC called their bluff, and NBC could have probably negotiated a little bit more and and uh, got that deal uh, put together and been able to have that part of their portfolio. I think that made NBC Sports very very strong when it comes to uh, uh, racing coverage. Uh, across their portfolio, uh, but certainly I think that Formula One growing in the Americas is something that, that is wanted by Formula One, and they maybe see a way for this to happen with ESPN, but I don't think it was a good move for Formula One to basically uh, say, hey, uh, you know, we're not going to take any money from ESPN, just uh, take our feed. Well, keep in mind, even though Bernie Ecclestone is no longer with Formula One management, they do not like playing second fill or third wheel to anybody. And when you think of NBC Sports right now, Network, you're thinking IndyCar and NASCAR. So that would put them third in line. And I think right now, former managers would say, hey, we are the premier sport in the the world as far as racing. And you are putting us third in line. So, therefore, I think it's more Formula One management does not want to be the third wheel here behind two other circuits that they feel are inferior. So that's why I think they went to ESPN. Matt, I want you to stand by, though, and we'll, and we'll certainly get back to this conversation, though. Uh, but we're now joined by Derek Schultz of Aquarian Schultz Show, uh, Fox 97 FM. Uh, wanted to talk some Peyton Manning with him last week. Uh, his schedule did not allow him to, to come on with us. And uh, so uh, he's on with us this week. We're going to talk to Peyton Manning and Colts. Uh, welcome back to The Balance. Derek, how is you, sir? Hey, Tom. I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic, buddy. I appreciate you jumping on with us for a few minutes today. You know, I do want to talk about the Colts. Uh, we, 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 we see some light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. But before that, I do want to talk about Peyton Manning. And last week, as we saw the statue unveiled, we saw a, a fantastic halftime presentation where his uh, jersey was retired and he was put into the ring of honor. Uh, you know, if we look back when in 1998 when the Colts drafted Peyton Manning, there was a lot of uh, – uneasiness and, and a lot of people were questioning Bill Poyan and said hey there's another guy out there by the name of Ryan Leaf but what was it at that point of course we all now know what it is but at that point what do you think it what it was that Bill Poyan saw in Peyton Manning that said hey he's the future of the Indianapolis Colts I think the fact that he was so polished even at a really young age was impressive to Polian, not just Polian, but to NFL scouts in general. I, it helped that he was a tremendous college player. I mean, he very easily could have been the Heisman Trophy winner in 97 and a really good player and a, and a Hall of Famer himself. And Charles Woodson is the one that ended up winning it that year. But I think Peyton's maturity, 
and Paulus, I, I think, gave you a little bit more reassurance that this was going to work out and that he was going to be the real deal on the next level because he wouldn't allow himself to fail. And that work ethic, obviously, living to I think unlike, let's say, LeBron James or somebody like that, it's not that he has these otherworldly physical skills. He never really had the best arm. He never really had the best legs or the best measurables. But what he did have was the best drive and the best brain. I mean, he was the smartest guy out there. He would dissect defenses. And like I said, he just wouldn't allow himself to give anything less than 100%. It sounds cliched. But it really is true. I think that drive is what turned him into one of, if not the greatest, ever played a position. Obviously, we flagship out of here in Indianapolis, but we're all over uh, the nation. And talk with us a little bit about what you and I know very, very well. But how did Peyton Manning change the landscape of the city of Indianapolis? Well, when he got here, it was still pretty firmly a Pacers town. Indianapolis was just coming off. Really smack dab in the middle of, but coming off the the initial boom baby era is what they call it here for the Pacers, where Reggie Miller and his heroics against the Knicks, and they made a couple of conference finals runs in 94 and 95, and then again in 98. And then that's when Manning was drafted that spring when when the Pacers lost to Jordan's Bulls in seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. So the the Pacers were kind of at their pinnacle when Manning came in here to resurrect a a, a one-win Colts team. So it was a basketball town, and yes, the Colts had been here for 14 or 15 years, but they had only won in the playoffs one year. That was 95 with Jim Harbaugh. They'd only made the playoffs, I think, three times in that span in their history, so there really wasn't much of an, uh, an, an Indianapolis Colts history before Peyton Manning got here. And then almost immediately they took off in a 13-win season in his second year. They won the division. They had a first-round buy into the divisional before they lost to Tennessee, who, of course, went on to the Super Bowl. But after that, they were pretty much in the playoffs more often than not and, and winning 10, 11, 12 games. They dominated the AFC South once that started in 2002. And the rest is, is kind of history. It, it shifted into a football town fairly quickly after his arrival. because this was, And it's still a basketball hotbed, but I, I always explain it, Tom, as Indiana is a basketball state, but Indianapolis is a football city, and that's because of Peyton Manning. Absolutely, and you know, uh, that brings us to where we're at now with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you know, we, we've seen some great signs and some great improvements by Jacoby uh, Brissett. Uh, obviously, he's, he's, well, he's rookie as a rookie can be, and he's, he's just kind of learning as he goes, and he was thrown into a situation. The, the good thing, I think, for him, he, he was able to spend some to- time with Tom Brady. We're, we're starting to see some things come back together, and I, you know, as I've heard you talk about on your show before, before uh, that you know, the Colts, we should get that worked up about the Colts this year. Peyton's going to come back on, on his time. As, you, as your partner has said, uh, Derek Schultz has said that, uh, you know, the only person who's really concerned about the return of, of Andrew Luck is uh, Chuck Pagano. But talk with us a little bit about the Colts season. And really, Monday night against Tennessee, if Marcus Mariota can't play, again, 11, 11 times I think that we've met uh, the, the Tennessee Titans we found a way to beat them. If we could just do this one more time, I think this just gives – when you talk about momentum, we're right in the thick of, of the AFC South again. Yeah, it's just been a struggle. Uh, they're actually pretty fortunate to be 2-3, and three, and it's funny because they could actually be 3-2 and two right now. A game that they really had no business losing was that Arizona game in week two. They're up 10 with seven minutes left. 
And Arizona uh, tied the game and then ended up winning an overtime when Brissett threw an interception. So they really easily could be in first place right now. But I don't know if home wins over the winless Niners and the winless Browns really inspire a lot of confidence. But like you said, Tom, I, I adjusted, and I think everybody should adjust their expectations while luck is out to, to a team that, A, doesn't have their starting quarterback, and, B, completely rebuilt their entire defense. When they took the field week one in Los Angeles against the Rams, they had 11 new starters on defense, 11. That's because Devontae Davis was out, but still. Uh, how many teams do that from year to year where you start 11 new guys on the defensive front? So they completely threw that in the trash last year and tried to build it back up through free agency and the draft and then not having luck. You know, Brissett, I, I agree with you. I think he has some talent. I think he's a, a promising player. I think he's proven himself to be at least a competent NFL starter, but he's still just 23 years old, and this is very much a baptism by fire for him for a guy that was the third-string guy in New England under Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady. So I think given the circumstances, he's done a really nice job. But as the schedule ramps up here, I think it's going to be awfully tough for the Colts. You're exactly right. that They've owned Tennessee more than any team in the NFL has owned anybody else. They've won 11 straight, 17 of 18, and 24 of 28. That's a better mark than what the Steelers have over the Browns or what the Patriots have over the Bills since 2003. So for whatever reason, they've had Tennessee's number. A lot of those games in that 11 win, uh, the 11-game win streak have been decided by one score, but the Colts seemingly have always found a way to win, even when they took Josh Freeman and Ryan Lindley basically off the street in Week 17 a couple of years ago and beat them here in Indianapolis. But I, I talked to somebody in Nashville yesterday, David Bocor of the Nashville Post, who said that they're saying that they're very hopeful that Mariota would play. If he was a betting man, he would say that he will play. He says the extra day is going to be crucial to have it be a Monday game instead of a Sunday game. So if Marcus Mariota plays, I think it's going to be awfully tough for the Colts to go down there and win. But you're right. The fact that we're even having a conversation about them hanging around in the division now, almost at the halfway point of the season, considering that Andrew Luck hasn't even taken a snap, I think says a lot about uh, where this team is right now. Well, one of the positive things is our injury list is getting smaller, uh, but I think one of the key people that we look at who's on the injury list and is still going through the concussion protocol is Jack Doyle. And I think he's a key instrument in that, that offensive scheme. Uh, how big of, a, of an impact by Jack Doyle not being out Monday night will it play against the Titans? Well, it'll be big. He's been a security blanket for both Luck and for Brissett. Uh, he's had a little bit of a disappointing start to this season, but – He's still their most well-rounded and, and best tight end. There's a reason why he's the number one guy who they were awarded with a contract extension last year. And especially not having Eric Swope, who was slated to be their number two and is on injured reserve, um, they're, they're thin at tight end. Brandon Williams has done a nice job filling in, but you'd rather have Doyle uh, back there, especially as a red zone target. So uh, you're right. I think it will be important to have Jack Doyle back. And, you know, Ryan Kelly recently re-entered the lineup. Bonte Davis, who we just talked about, is – still feeling his way around, but I think we're starting to kind of knock the rust off. So the Colts are, besides the quarterback with luck, the, the Colts are about as healthy as they can be right now, which is a relief because they've been very banged up this year. We're talking with Derek Schultz of the Quarian Schultz Show, uh, Fox 97 FM local here in Indianapolis. Certainly you can find them all over the nation on iHeart. We only got you for a couple more minutes. And I know we got Matt Embry stay to buy Matt. We haven't forgot you. We'll get back to our racing talk here in just a moment. Uh, but uh, we wanted to make sure we got uh, uh, Derek uh, on. A couple of questions for you. Two big games for two big uh, teams today in the Big Ten. Uh, IU, you and I are both IU alum. It's homecoming. You going down there? I am, yeah, but I'm not gonna go. Uh, I'm not going to the tailgate fields or anything like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and um, sit in the press box and 
and uh, not try to relive the college glory days, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. I want to head down here just as soon as I'm done, and hopefully I won't get caught up there on, on 37 traffic. And, you know, and then on the way back, i got to stop for some Mama's Pizza. But nonetheless, uh, Jim Harbaugh comes in uh, to town to uh, play uh, Indiana after a devastating loss to Michigan State. I mean, I think all of us IU fans are, are like, Woo, let's uh, let's beat Michigan. We can do that. It's not been done in decades. But, however, they are looking a lot better this year than what they have in the past. A couple things I think that we can see. If IU finds a way to beat Michigan, that's huge for IU. If IU finds a way to beat Michigan, it just solidifies to me that Jim Harbaugh is one of the most overrated college football coaches out there. Yeah, well, the, the streak speaks for itself. They haven't. Indiana hasn't beat Michigan in 30 years. Uh, they've beaten them a handful of times in their modern history. I mean, this is uh, kind of like the Ohio State rivalry. It's it's really been completely one-sided because we all know that Indiana's history in football isn't exactly something to, to brag about. But Michigan's offensive struggles are really what stick out to me. That they lost Wilton State. He got hurt actually in the Purdue game back in their Big Ten opener a couple of weeks ago. And John O'Coy has been, you know, the very limited quarterback. They also have Brandon Peters, the kid locally from Avon. Um, he's, he's a freshman on that team, or a sophomore now, I think, on that team. And uh, it, it's not just on the quarterback, though. The offensive line, they, they lost a bunch from last year's team, and it, it's really never rebounded. They're 70th, 70th right now in offensive efficiency in the S&P. So I, I think really that's been the most staggering thing about Michigan is that they, they can't score. They, they've had a lot of problems moving the ball and putting up points this year. I am concerned, though, because losing to Michigan State the way that they did at home, you know, having that rivalry game not go your way, you know that Michigan's not going to be sleeping on Indiana. You would almost, if you're an IU fan, you would have rather had them win that game last week because then maybe you can sneak up on them. They're not going to sneak up on Michigan today. So I'd be highly surprised if Indiana won. But with Peyton Ramsey now taking over at quarterback, and I think Tom Allen's done a pretty nice job. They have a really nice road win at, at Virginia. I think they're going to make a bowl game again this year. I'm just not expecting them to win um, coming up here. But I, I do think it's going to be a competitive game for sure. Absolutely. I, you know, I like Tom Allen. I, I have to say that I'm comfortably surprised. I, I was a little doubtful when they hired him. But, you know, hey, same thing down in Purdue. Purdue takes on Wisconsin. I, I know your station carries all other games. You guys are very familiar uh, with Purdue. And, and you got to look and got to be optimistic of where they were at this time last year to where they're at this time this year. Going into uh, 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 Wisconsin today uh, has got to give them a little bit of confidence anyway. Yeah, Jeff Brom, I think right now is the no-brainer Big Ten coach of the year. The fact that they've already won three games, uh, it's unbelievable the turnaround that they've had there. Uh, They're still very thin, and I think you saw that a little bit in the Michigan game. Um, The fact that once you kind of get into the third and fourth quarter and you start trying to grind out these possessions, Purdue's lack of depth shows up because of the, the recruiting deficiencies that they've had with the previous couple of staff. So I think Jeff Brown's going to get that fixed in the future. As far as this year's team, the fact that we're even talking about them potentially being goal eligible, I think speaks to what Brown has done with this team. Cause you can really see a path for Purdue to make a bowl game for the first time in, in six seasons. And they haven't actually won a bowl game. I think you have to go back to 2008 for the last time they won one. So um, it's been a long time coming. Purdue's, fan base is a very proud one and it's good to see them competitive again again Tom you know Wisconsin's so good and they're even better at home they're a dark horse playoff contender uh they're a big 10 title I think co-favorite right now with Penn State so while I don't 
expect Purdue to go there and win. I do think that they can be competitive, and I really like how this two-quarterback system has worked out for them with Elijah Sindelar and David Blau, and it's strange because I usually hate two-quarterback systems, but so far so good for Brom and the Boilers. Well, we'll, go, we'll let you go. appreciate you taking some time with us. Derek Schultz of the Aquarian Schultz Show, Fox 97, 5 FM. If you're here local, you got to check him out every afternoon at 3 o'clock. But, hey, what are you guys working on this week, and uh, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, uh, Derek? Uh, well, we've got Monday. It's going to be all Colts, Titans, and then we've got our pregame show on our sister station, 295, from 6 to 8 after the afternoon show. Uh, if you search Aquarian Schultz or WNDE, Fox Sports 97.5 on the iHeartRadio app, you can listen to us nationwide. We're here locally, um, 97.5 FM, 1260 AM, uh, also on Twitter, at Schultz975. And I'll be battling the 37 traffic just like you here in a little bit, Tom. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that ever going to get done? I don't know, man. I, I don't know which is worse, the 37 traffic. I'm from Evansville, so going down there and trying to battle that 69 issue is another whole different issue. So southern Indiana roads are all jacked up, but, you know, maybe we'll eventually get through it. <laughs> No, I used to commute, uh, you know, my, my, uh, I, I grew up in Connecticut, and my college girlfriend lived in New Jersey, and I used to go through New York City uh, on Friday at like 5 o'clock, so I know what horrible traffic is, and 37 with the disaster that it is, uh, it's just as horrible as the worst New York City traffic that I've been through. That's not very comforting, Derek, but anyway, enjoy the game, and, <laughs> and <laughs> we'll talk to you again soon, sir. All right, buddy. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. All right. Derek Schultz of the Schultz Aquarius Show uh, here in Indianapolis, 97.5 FM. We're joined back now with Matt Embry. Matt, I apologize about that. He was scheduled earlier. You know how sometimes that happens in radio. People call later than what they're uh, supposed to, and it throws everybody else off. So we'll get back into our I've still got all my hands and feet, so I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. So you heard uh, uh, Derek uh, talk a little bit about the Colts and Peyton Manning. Any thoughts you want to add to that? Well, obviously, it's a good pick, but I think the thing that was the big difference was the way Ryan Leaf lost the game for Washington State against Michigan. Yes, Michigan was number one and on the way to at least a national championship share that year, but the thing is, though, he handled that game so badly late in a game where Washington State clearly, at least on paper and the way they looked like in that game, was the better team. He had a chance to win that game, and he let it slip right through his fingers, so I think that made a big difference. And let's face it, I mean, now we've seen after the fact uh, you have uh, a four-year starter in Peyton Manning versus a two-year starter in Ryan Leaf. I think the Colts made the right decision. Just disappointed that my Chargers were had the audacity to give up so many draft picks to go up and uh, draft them. Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's just amazing to, when we look at the story that Peyton Manning uh, created here in Indianapolis is just unbelievable. I want to pick back up on what you were talking about with Formula One. Uh, if you want to circle back around and, 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 and kind of finish what you were talking on that, and then we'll get into the, uh, the conversation with uh, the, uh, the soccer conversation. Yeah, the thing is, like I said with Formula One just before uh, we had, you know, Derek on, they are still thick-headed. They still believe that everywhere, including the United States, they are number one. They are the boss. They do not want to play second fiddle to IndyCar. They do not want to play second fiddle, third wheel to NASCAR. They believe they are the king of the hill, and if they don't get the big money, more money than, say, NASCAR or IndyCar are getting, they're going to go somewhere else. That's why they went to uh, ESPN, because it doesn't cost them a thing. I mean, that's the thing that they are doing. They are there to make money, and they don't think they were going to make the money 
with NBCSN with two other sports or racing-related rivals uh, on the same doorstep. So I think that's why they made the change. They are now exclusive with ESPN, which, other than for the Indianapolis 500, has no real rivals in terms of racing coverage. Uh, Matt, don't you think that it doesn't matter whether they're on NBC Sports or uh, ESPN, don't you think that they will always play third fiddle as far as the fan base goes in the Americas because they're not going to beat out in the United States. They're not going to beat out IndyCar's fans go. They're certainly not going to beat out NASCAR. Certainly NASCAR and IndyCar are two separate groups of fans, and and I realize that Formula One has their own group of fans, but don't you think that when you put it all in line and in sequence as far as fan base, they're not going to draw enough from either one of those other race series to not be third fiddle anyway? thing is, though, you know, there's always been a thick-headed, you know, arrogance to Formula One. I mean, even when Bernie Ecclestone was still there, and even now that he is gone, they are still there. They still think they are king of the hill, and it hits their psyche when there is any views to – I remember it was like – I think it was like a Jimmy Neutron cartoon where there was one place, and any time it took exception or heard anything that was better than it, it destroyed it. So I think there is a – thick-headedness to Formula One that they do not like to be second or third wheel to anybody, and that's why I think they made for, went for the change. And unfortunately, yeah, they're never going to be big here in Formula One it, as far as in the U.S.